Hey everybody, this is Matt. And Nicole. On this episode of After the Kid Goes Down, we're going to watch Clue. Let's go! never seen it no this is like one of those movies i've seen in pieces like back in the cable days it would be like on tnt or something tnn for the old people out there and i would catch like segments of it or i'd see it out of order but i've never seen it from opening to end straight through that is a damn shame okay (laughs) <laughs> I've seen it at least a couple times. It's a murder mystery, obviously, right? Yeah. Well, it's just like the game Clue. Clue? Um, Tim Curry. Tim Curry, Madeline Kahn, who's just, like, amazing. And I can't... It's been such a long time since I've seen her in a film. And I kind of can't wait. Because I feel like when I was younger, all I did was watch, like, all of Mel Brooks' films all of the time. And she's in a lot of them. And so I used to, like talk like her sometimes to annoy people how does she talk i don't remember it's been that long after this film i'll do it okay i mean i hear people talk about this movie a bunch i think it's another one of these ones that's uh got a cult following it's also got what's his face is this this our listener recommendation oh yeah this is a listener listener recommendation it's actually the one that won the battle of the recommendations uh when we had an open slot so this is the open slot and this one comes from aunt chichi's my friend Kat. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what do you mean it won the battle of the recommendations? Like, were we talking bracket style? Like people voted online? Yeah, people voted yeah. on our Instagram stories. So we had a, and so I, I forget them. what dropped from here. It's spring break in mm-hmm. our timeline. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're going we're going out of state. So we couldn't see in a release this month. Oh, because we wouldn't be around. Yeah. We couldn't record. We wouldn't be on vacation. A, yeah. Yeah. I had slotted a new release and we couldn't do it. So yeah, I decided okay. to fill it. And so I put it out there. Uh, a few different listener recommendations that I have on the list and I let people battle them out. And then, yeah, bracket style. It got down to Clue. Ugh, I don't remember what the other one was, but it's it's on my list. I mean, I've Maybe, seen- Oh, Troop Beverly Hills. It was Clue and Troop Beverly Hills. Those are. What? True Beverly Hills? Troop? Beverly Hills. Hey, that, you could be making that movie up as far as I'm You're concerned. You're going to, oh my God. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I obviously know the very basic things of Clue. Um, I know there are multiple endings. Um, I know that people quote this movie a lot. It's got a, it's, a, it's another cult following type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm expecting a fun, kind of a dumb fun movie. Yeah, we should have fun with this one. It's so nice to have fun with them. Yeah, when you don't have to sit there and just like, oh, yeah. All right, you ready? I am. Clue. Released in 1985, currently available to rent on Amazon Prime. Directed by Jonathan Lynn, starring Eileen Brennan, Tim Curry, Madeline Kahn, Christopher Lloyd, Michael McKean, Martin Mull, and Leslie Ann Warren. 
six black male victims are invited to an isolated mansion by a man who knows a dark secret from each of their pasts. On arrival, each is given a pseudonym drawn from Cluedo before being introduced to the blackmailer. Each is handed a weapon, at which point the lights are switched off and the blackmailer is killed. Can the guests uncover the murderer before they all become victims? So we just finished watching Clue. What did you think? It was wacky. Okay. Um... I'm not gonna lie. It took me it took me a while to get into it. Early on, I thought it felt like a bad attempt at like you know the film Airplane, mm-hmm. like a bad, not funny version of that. But then as it went on, I realized it's just kind of its own thing. It's just wacky, dumb, kind of. I don't want to say witty dialogue, but like snappy dialogue, like dumb snappy dialogue. Yeah, and it's clearly a film i think that is funnier every time you watch it because by the end of it i like got what they were doing so i was able to which was i just like very self-aware not trying to be too serious not even trying to be witty they were just making a fucking movie based off the board game clue (laughs) and (laughs) dropping all pretense about it and i feel like Watching actors like Christopher Lloyd and these other guys act in this, it felt like they were having fun. Like yeah. to me, it's like an actor's movie. Like that, those are those well, are the roles. ensemble is incredible. Yeah. Those Absolutely are roles incredible. that I think they probably love to ham up. I mean, Tim Curry's genuinely incredible in this film. Yeah, I thought they all were. But yeah, they all are. No, I, I enjoyed it. I'm, like Michael McKean is like a. Unbelievable. Like, yeah. in the background of every scene, he's just, like, being ridiculous. Yep. Um, Madeline Kahn is just, like... She's great in all the Mel Brooks films. Yeah. I used to watch her all the time, and I just don't anymore. She passed away in 99, but, like, I miss her. Yeah. No, I mean, Jonathan Lynn directed this, and it was his directorial debut, but after this, it's like Clue, My Cousin Vinny, Sergeant Bilko, Whole Nine Yards, like all films that I love. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like dark, like like My Cousin Vinny is a comedy, but it's also serious. The Whole Nine Yards is a film when I was a kid in high school that I like loved. I thought it was the funniest film I'd ever seen. Is that with um Matthew Perry? Yeah. Yeah. The same type of dark, but a little more like. Definitely a more polished film than this, but I know the guy clearly knows how to direct comedies. I mean, John Landis wrote this with yeah. him, so Landis obviously knows what he's doing. He's got a long track record of good, good films. Obviously, he's a legend in Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, there was just like a lot of lines that I was like, I know I don't laugh a lot during these. No, films. and it's very frustrating to watch any kind of movie with you. Really, <laughs> I don't know why. any movie. I don't know why. Well, because if it's a tearjerker, I like try and hide that I'm crying because I'm afraid. I don't know you're why you do that. What have I, I don't ever think you've ever you made fun crying. of me? No, of course not. <laughs> but when we're watching, crying's healthy. When we when we're watching a rom com, I I can like feel how much you hate it, and so it destroys it for me. <laughs> okay. Um, That's I mean, you ruined fair. Battlestar Galactica for me, so there it's you go. It's not good. Um and. When we're watching a comedy, you just don't laugh. And I just don't, I don't get it. Like, you, you like, barely even chuckle. 
Like, there were so many things at the beginning of this film that I thought were hilarious. Like, the sniffing of the poop every time. Oh, to me, the sniffing of the poop was, like, the least funny gag in the whole film. But at least deserves, like, a, like... No, I don't. One of your <laughs> that you do, like, fucking Chewbacca. Like, what am, I, what am I purring? Am I a fucking kitten? <laughs> to me, that that but that looking back on it, that set the stage for the rest of the film. Like, it's a dumb gag that's not overtly funny, but it set the tone for the film. And this film is not going to be even remotely serious. Yeah. Um, the funniest lines for me were ones I think about afterwards, like when he asked the uh, her Madeline Kahn's character, uh, "How many hus- husbands have you had?" and she says, "That are mine," or she makes some comment like that, and I'm like, <laughs> "That's a zinger that like I enjoy." And I didn't yeah. laugh out loud, but it but it took me like a five second delay, and I was like, "Oh, that's clever." And then because they go right through it, like there's no pause there. She says that, then he delivers his next line, so it's like yeah. that bang, bang, bang. But like I laughed at. A lot of the physical humor, I mean, I grew up in the Three Stooges. My father made us watch those all the time. So, like, when they kept dropping all the dead bodies all over the place, that kept cracking <laughs> me up. Um, yeah. There were a couple moments later on that I really laughed at. I mean, the last line of the third ending, I'm going to go home now and sleep with my wife, is, like, that was a great way to end that ending. <laughs> well, but then they end it with, like, Yeah. So, those, all of those endings came out separately, they're okay. lined up like this uh, in most like streaming renting services. Um, they're still like you can still buy them or see it like straight through with only a single ending. Um, I guess well, most critics reviewed this movie pretty poorly. Um, yeah, Meta- I mean it's not a good film. Metacritic, the film has a weighted average score of 39 out of 100. Yeah, it's about um, right. Siskel and Ebert both gave it two stars. No, Siskel gave it two and a half out of four. What did Ebert give it? Two. Hmm. Ebert said, Promising cast, but the film's screenplay is so very, very thin that the actors spend most of their time looking frustrated. Um, but they both liked the A ending with Miss Scarlet... Uh, yeah, Scarlet having done it, mm-hmm. um, and and thought that the C ending was the worst. Oh, I disagree completely. What? So, what was your favorite ending? The C ending, just because of that line. No, I think the C ending is a nice. I thought it was different enough. It was bizarre enough. It was enough twists were involved. I I I, I like that it makes Tim Curry the villain because he's such a great fucking villain. Um, I like that they yeah. all, spoiler alert, that they all killed somebody. Like, yeah. in a whodunit, it's like, who done it, And like, they even play on that at the end where they're like, okay, who did it? And they all point at each other. And, like, I like that. I like that it wasn't a clean, typical ending. Yeah. You know? I know a- I, I could see how a film critic would say it feels like a cop-out. But, like, it also, to me, in a weird way, in this weird world we're living in with this film, makes the most sense. Like, none of these people are good people. And each of them had a motive to kill somebody, so why wouldn't they each kill somebody? Like, it made the most sense to me. Yeah, yeah. There apparently was a fourth ending that just sounds, like, completely bonkers, where... (laughs) More bonkers (laughs) than anything? Yeah, Yeah. where Wadsworth commits all of the murders because he was motivated by a desire for perfection. (laughs) Oh, it's kind of dark. Because having failed to either be the perfect husband or the perfect butler, butler, he decides to be the perfect murderer instead. Yeah, wow. Uh, He poisons the champagne. Then when the FBI and police arrive and he's arrested, he escapes because of police dogs. It sounds like really like out there. 
Yeah, I like uh, the C ending. The B ending's the worst one, I thought. I could have, like, if the movie ended with the Scarlet ending, I would have been totally okay with it. Yeah. But the B ending with Peacock was weird and just like, meh. Did they really, so, so when they released in the theaters, did everybody get all three endings? No, different theaters got different endings. Oh, interesting. Um, it was developed, the multiple ending concept was developed by Jonathan by John Landis, um, who claimed in an interview to have invited playwright Tom Stoppard, Stephen Sondheim, and Anthony actor Anthony Perkins to write the screenplay. So I guess he borrowed from each of their screenplays, mm. and then ultimately he was the one yep. that finished it, obviously. But yeah, movie each movie theater got, like... Each theater received one of the three endings, and some theaters announced which ending the the viewer would see. Like, I guess A, B, or C, or whatever. Interesting. Okay. That's kind of cool. It's a neat idea. Yeah. I mean, it's a little shticky, but, you know. It is, but it's also the game. And I guess, like, it stayed pretty, well, obviously it stayed pretty true to the game. You got all the named characters, including the body. And you've got all the the murder weapons and the rooms are all, I guess, in the, the exact spot that they're supposed to be. So I mean, I could watch Tim Curry run around reenacting the whole film for an hour. Like, watching him run around goofily, redoing everything that we just saw I mean, I think that's the awesome. best part of the film. It's easily the best part of the film. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I would agree with Ebert that the, the like this is one of those films where the story is... Not good. It just, like the story is not, but that's not the point of the film. It's, yeah, it's not. You know, the, the point. story is is paper thin. Even the connective tissue between their motives is like weak and generic. But the dialogue is funny. The delivery of the lines is funny. Like, oh, that's what I was laughing at when Madeline Kahn, when she says, "Is it in the C ending where he says she killed Yvette?" Yeah, and, and she does like, her oh, flames the fire, bit. The flames in the in the head in the that she- whole that whole part was apparently um, ad libbed by her. Awesome, she's a genius. <laughs> like, she is. <laughs> like that, and they're all like looking around, like what the fuck? Flames, is this? fire. <laughs> like, I love her so much. Like she's losing her mind and a little fried. Like oh, it was good. Yeah, like I think this movie is is at its best when the when the actors are almost appear to be riffing. Yeah. Like, keeping up the bits of the characters. I mean, it's pretty much a classic whodunit that also, like, pokes fun at, like... Whodunits. At the whodunits. Yeah. So, really, like, I don't, I don't understand what anyone would want. Like, any... Well, I, I thought about this when the opening credits rolled. Like, sometimes when we watch these films, and these are films that I feel like are better in retrospective... Am I saying that right? I'm not saying what that do you, right. I don't know what you mean. Like, Watch like, what kind of films? Like, like a cult classic Any film. film? Yeah. Oh, okay. So this type of film has a following. Obviously, it got recommended to us by a lot of people that won our little competition. I mean, it's and I've got a lot of listener reviews, too, to read through. Yeah. So and I, I want to hear those. So I'd love to see what the general population thinks. But films like this almost are better a decade later. Like, I, when the opening credits opened, it said, based on the board game by the blah, blah, by a clue... I thought there was just a battleship movie, like no more than eight, I think around five to eight years ago. And I remember rolling my eyes when I was like, are they really making a movie off yeah. the fucking game Battleship? And then I'm like, thinking about it, I'm like, now watching this movie, I'm like, well, if Battleship made that film the same way these guys did, where they didn't really take it too serious and it was just for fun. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? So when they, this movie. They actually just, and I cannot, for the, I was trying to remember this entire movie, they just announced another movie that's made off of something absolutely ridiculous. And I was like, really? They're making, a, it's like a food or something. I'm like, they're making a movie off of that? But then I'm thinking like, 
everybody scoffed when they made Trolls, but yeah. I friggin' love Trolls. Yeah. They're what? really going to make a movie based off of a little doll. It was great. Yeah, and, and it's tough because you don't, you don't know in the time. When did this come out? 80-something? 85, 86? 85. Okay, so when it came out, you don't know the background, the context of the film when it came out. Like, how was it marketed? Was it marketed as a wacky film or was it marketed as a whodunit? Because if you went into this expecting, like, a serious whodunit, you were you probably 20 minutes in, you're like, what the fuck is going on in this film? <laughs> yeah. and, but if it's marketed like a, like a wacky comedy, then like, what do you expect? It lost money. I'm sure it did. I can't imagine... The budget this... was $15 million and it only made 14.6. Yeah. I mean, it, comedies struggle to make money unless, unless they're, unless they're all-time great. Like... But it's a weird comedy. It's a whodunit comedy. That's a very niche market. Like, yeah. I don't know. I I could uh, see how if this came, if in the moment when it came out, people could, especially mid eighties, like there was a lot of great films in the eighties. Yeah. And this came out, and people were like, "Fucking really? Like this is lame." You know what I mean? I guess. I I mean I can't. You're very good at like looking well, at at something through a lens like that. I well, I just think it's freaking great. But I also like and really enjoy. Like I thought it was the same as like a Mel Brooks film. Yeah. That slapsticky. Yeah, but Mel Brooks films humor. are usually make there's usually an undercurrent of a certain he's making a commentary on something. Like this is a dumb comedy. Yeah. And when you look at the best dumb comedies, they don't get really well reviewed. Like I'm a huge Dumb and Dumber fan. Like didn't get well reviewed. Like comedies as a whole by film critics get crushed because A, comedy's very specific to certain people, right? Every comedy hits a certain group of people. There are very few comedies that the whole country finds funny. You know what I mean? I mean, the whole country may have found Wedding Crashers funny because it stayed in theaters for like a year. Yeah, but yeah, but that's rare. Yes. And I'm willing to bet, and I don't know off the top of my head, but if you look up Wedding Crashers Rotten Tomato score, I bet it's 60s or 70%. Like, comedies don't do yeah. well, r- critically. So we can't be surprised when Roger Ebert gives a comedy two stars. Fucking shocker, bro. Right. You have to grade on a curve almost. Let's hear what other people thought. <laughs> grade on a curve. Well, Tim Curry thought that the, he has cited this as one of his favorite movies of his own that he's made. Yeah, you can tell when he's in it. He's having a blast. He was like third in line also for this film. Really? Who was going to be the butler? Um, Jonathan Lynn's first choice was Leonard Rossiter, but he died before filming. The second choice was Rowan Atkinson. That's Mr. Bean, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Mr. Bean would have been good. Um, Love Rowan Atkinson. But they felt that he wasn't well-known enough at the time. So Tim Curry was cast, which is cool. But anyway, so yeah, listener reviews. Is that what you want? Yeah, that's what I want. What do the people have to say? (laughs) Well, our uh, our friends 518 Craft Beer say that this is one of their all-time favorites. Nice, nice. User Michael the McKean says, Everything but a clue. I thought I would get that comment once we watched the the movie again, but I don't really get it. Uh, Michael McKean was great, but... Everything but a clue? Everything but a clue. This is a riddle? I don't know. <laughs> you need a cipher? I don't understand. <laughs> Jez Dutwing says a truly great film. Aunt Chi-Chi's, who is, uh, she recommended this to us, are myth- a masterfully choreographed journey into comedic timing and ensemble greatness. It wow. is perfection. That Say that again? A masterfully choreographed journey into comedic timing and ensemble greatness. Okay. Wow. That's very well put. I, w- I would agree with it. That's a well, good way. Nice job. <laughs> you know, sometimes she sends me Marco Polos about our podcast after she listens to it. And I'm like, 
We should have her on. Yeah. The, the, the choreography of the comedic timing is a good way to put it. There's a lot of great comedic timing in this film. Yeah. I mean, that's all it is. That's all it is. Yeah. Nice job. Let's have <laughs> go, her to, on. go to work, Kat. Uh, Reanimator says, I love this film. She also dropped five stars. Five stars. Um, okay. Ari Amoeba, so good. Uh, Hayweed33, a movie that has no business being this good. I used to fall asleep to either this or the burbs every night as a kid. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Um, so, I mean, people... Oh, sorry. I can't miss this one. The ABG Queen. Uh, Irma Gerd, it's the best. Madeline Kahn is epically amazing. I mean, everyone is, but I worship Madeline Kahn. It's the kind of ensemble piece that makes me want to do ensemble pieces because the individual parts are so amazing that the final product is just absurdly fantastic. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm saying. I feel like if you were an actor reading the script, you could be like, let's fucking go. Yeah. I could see Christopher Lloyd being like, I'm into this. Yeah. You know? He's probably Um, in it the least, I feel like. I don't know. I think they're, I would bet they all have almost equal screen time. I mean... Olive. Olive and your jingly jingle McJingerson. But you went upstairs and took her collar off. I didn't. Hey, Bubba. She's so loud. No, Christopher Lloyd was... I think he was the the least funny, actually. Yeah. Out of all of them. What'd you think? You haven't really given me... I know this, you've seen this before, so... Yeah, I've seen it before, uh, but I, like, barely remembered what happens. I remember the running around scene because that is <laughs> is a great scene. I want to run like him everywhere I go. <laughs> I think you should. I think you could. I definitely could. You're, like, long and gangly. Yeah. But, but I get a lot of weird stares. I'm, like, running for milk and sorts like that. <laughs> I and hold it over my head like it's a dagger. <laughs> Please do. Because then that lady will chase you out. I've seen her chase people. <laughs> No, I mean, I I thought it was hilarious. I laughed a lot. I laughed <laughs> more laugh. than you did. You laugh. It doesn't take much, though. Like, you no, laugh all I was, like, the time. I was, like, laughing at, like, Michael McKean, like, rubbing the lead pipe. Yeah. Because um, his character's supposed to be gay, which I don't know why. I thought that was so funny. I don't know if it was intended to be funny, but it was funny to me. And then I spent way too much time after that trying to think, oh, are each of these weapons tied to the thing that they're being blackmailed for? And I was like, please stop thinking. Um. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, you're, you're too much work. You too much work for this film. Uh, I feel like the last you did like weird laughs though. Like you never like fully. Olive. She's itching her ear. She's it's itching the her best ear. It's like itch her... She's, she's ever had. Um, I mean, you never like full belly laughed. You were given a lot of like. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like I've seen much more of like a lot of these actors' filmography. Mm-hmm. Since the last time I saw it. Okay. So, like, I was much more appreciating even even Tim Curry's role. Um, but Michael McKean, I feel like the most. Because I feel like through watching, you know, The Good Place and Better Call Saul mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I've seen him in a bunch of Christopher Guest stuff and, and all of that. But, like, yeah, I just I had a better appreciation for what he's, he specifically was doing in the film. I couldn't take my eyes off. I thought he was like, and they're all so good, but like, I just, he was. Him and Tim Curry are probably the ones. Their physical comedy. Yeah. And they have the best presence on screen. Like you're drawn to them. When when, when either of them are in a shot, you're watching them. Right? Yeah. When, when, when either, if either one of them is on the screen or if the lady with the big boobs is on the screen. (laughs) The, 
the maid. They highlighted who, But they literally hired her because of her boobs. I know. She was like, Demi Moore was being considered for that role. And this chick walked in wearing a French maid unif- uh, like uniform. And they were like, they like have admitted like. Of course. We hired her because her rack was huge. Yeah. <laughs> she probably walked in. They were like, you don't have to say a word. You're hired. Like, like, but that's the role. Like every time she's in a shot, the they're also center the shot on her tits. Like they the, do, it's eye like, level. It, it's, I mean, yeah. Her rack <laughs> is the brunt of the jokes, but it's also because like the faces that she was pulling. Yeah. No, it was unlocked. No, really <laughs> like, bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, really bad she, French accent. Yeah. She, she was also like she wasn't as good as the others, but she was also pretty good. Like her ridiculous faces. Uh, with her French exclamations were yep. great. Did she drop her French accent right before she was killed? Yes. She did, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because she's not really French. Yeah. She's a hooker, right? She works in Scarlet's brothel. Yeah. Uh, with these type of films, I always think about when our kids get older, which comedies I'm going to show them first. You know, my parents showed me like a lot of Monty Python early on. Mm-hmm. Um, I stumbled in. I mean, there were a lot of movies that came out in the nineties. Like I said, dumb and dumber. My parents went out of their way to show me airplane. I th- I'd like to do the same thing with our, our kids. I think this is one we have to show them. I would think so. I mean, it's pretty tame. Oh, it's, I don't know. It's not, there's a lot of sexual innuendo and yeah, but I mean, obviously we're going to wait till they get older. <laughs> and there's They're, also a lot of like murder. Yeah. The murder is worse than the sexual innuendo. I, but I would I, think, I would put but... up there with those type of films, right? Like yeah. like foundational yeah, comedy. Like if you're giving a class on film comedy, oh, it's this it, is it's... on the, the syllabus. Yeah, yeah, and it's be, it's simply because of this cast. Yeah, and the great work that they do together. I don't know Eileen Brennan's work like at all, but I Which thought one she, was she? you laughed the most at her. Which one is she? Peacock. Oh, because she's insane. <laughs> That's why, because I've like I feel like we all know people like her that can't sit in silence. Yeah, is wacky. Is like always kind of rattled. And, yeah, and oh, I don't know she was her character was so nuts to <laughs> when me he's, when he's like mimicking when he's like redoing as he's running through all of his scenes and he's redoing her, the part her where scream. she starts screaming. <laughs> yeah, she yeah. starts screaming too. <laughs> Uh, the whole reenactment <laughs> sequence is the best sequence. And Tim Curry acting them out is, like, that's where you see Tim Curry being his best. His screams, his pretending to be dead over and over again. Just awesome. So what do you want to give it? <sighs> Excuse me. Um, I'll probably give it a three and a half. Okay. Yeah. Just, like, better than average. I'll give it three. You're Cisco. I'm Ewart. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll give it three. It's tough because we talked about this in a lot of episodes. Like, do you grade it for what it is? Do you grade it? You know, you can't compare this to fucking Casablanca, obviously. So you can't compare it in the same rating scale. But in terms of just comedies, I would say it was funny. It was a very good comedy, but it's not. I don't think it's one of my favorites. What um, would you give the cast alone? Yeah, see, if you had to go down categories, and be like, okay, acting, this rating, writing, this rating. The acting is, is comedic acting to me is five star. Yeah, I agree. It's just, it's almost like too weird. It's like I said, it's such a niche film. It's a black 
dark comedy whodunit, which is like weird and I don't know. So yeah, I mean, I, I would, I mean, I, I would love to give it more than three stars, but it's good, but it's not uh, people, everybody, everybody, after listening to all those people's comments, they're going to hate me. I don't think it's a great comedy. I think it's a good comedy. I think it's fun. I think you can watch it when you're like hungover on a Sunday or bored whenever and have a great time. But I can think of a bunch of comedies that I would watch before this one that are tighter, that are better. Like, they didn't need to keep going on tours of the house. You know what I mean? Like, there were a lot of sections of this film that, like, probably didn't need to be or could have been tightened up, even though it's only, it's a cool 90. It's a cool 90. It's a cool 90, but feels like there's a lot of wasted screen time, I guess, would be my complaint. I would like to see more laughs per minute. Okay. So, I mean, I did more. I had more laughs per minute, but I always do. And you never do. Like, when's the last time you, like, were in stitches over a movie? So Alice doesn't live here anymore. <laughs> I left a lot during Alice doesn't live here anymore. The sequences where the diner's falling apart is pretty epic. Um, I don't know. I mean, I. it's going to sound cliche, but... I, and people are probably going to wince when I say this, but I saw Wedding Crashers three times in the theaters. I saw Wedding Crashers three times in the theaters. Um, Dodgeball, I saw like five times in the theaters. Airplane. But Airplane's got the same type of humor as this. Like, I, I, I chuckle as much in Airplane as you chuckle during this. But I don't, yeah, roll, like, slapping my knee laughing? I don't know. I find a lot of things funny. I just, <laughs> just don't outwardly express yeah. it. I feel like I laughed a lot during Hot Tub Time Machine, but then we realized that was because I was a little messed up, and I yeah. watched it again with my parents, and I was like, yeah, oh, not no. Not a great film to watch with your parents. This isn't funny. <laughs> I have to think about that, though. That's a good question. When's the last comedy that you really, like, laughed so hard you cried during? I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know either. I feel like there's been moments in other films that I've laughed out loud. But a pure comedy, I feel like the best comedies, like maybe this one or even Airplane and Dumb and Dumber are ones that you laugh the almost like when you know the joke is coming. Yeah. The anticipation of the punchline makes you joke, laugh even more. What about Groundhog Day? Or had you seen that one a bunch of times? I had seen that one. Groundhog Day made me laugh. A lot of Bill Murray stuff make, makes me laugh. Caddyshack has always made me laugh. Yeah. All right. So three stars for me. Three and a half for me. Three and a half for Nicole. Uh, by the way, if you want to watch it, it's not streaming anywhere because everything needs a goddamn premium subscription nowadays. So wait, let me just get this right. We hate movie theaters. We hate cable companies. And now we hate streaming companies. No, I don't hate any of them. The entertainment industry as a whole would be fine just fucking pumping the brakes and taking a chill pill. Mm-hmm. But it, I can't help but think the premium subscription thing that we're running into now with the streaming services is the cable companies tr- finding a way to carve out and sink their claws into a good thing. Mm-hmm. Streaming was a good thing. And now Showtime is like, nope, if you want to watch Clue on Hulu, you got to have our subscription. Well, fuck Showtime. I got away from c- cable because of this. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's like, you know what you're going to do? You're going to drive more and more people to Amazon Prime. Because instead of paying the premium subscription for Showtime with Hulu, with Hulu, I'm just going to pay the $3.99 to rent Clue on Amazon Prime. Yep. Right? Yeah. Like, hey, movie theaters, instead of doing that, like, I know The Batman's coming out soon. Like, on HBO. On, yeah. on HBO. Like, 
Like, if the movie theaters were cheaper, more people would see fucking movies. But then, I, I guess, well, my frustration isn't necessarily the high prices. It's that they blame the viewers and the audience for not seeing a film, quote-unquote, properly. Right. Or for running to Amazon Prime. It's like, well, you are in control of the pricing options. You are in control of the streaming services. Showtime, come up with your own streaming app. I'm sure they do. Yeah, but then then it's just then it's bullshit. Like, like leave your fucking claws out of Clue. Like it's when's the last time you it and is, I? But like it's like Hulu because we have a premium, like the Disney with Hulu. Like you know what I mean? Like it's not. If it's not a premium, that's what I'm saying. When I looked up this film, the reason we're ranting about this when I looked up a way to watch Clue streaming streaming, there were, like all the streaming services were listed. I was like, sweet, we're gonna watch this film for anything. And all of a sudden, it was like premium, premium, premium. I was like, what the shit? And I, what I don't understand is I feel like, are they making enough money with that model where it's worth it? Hulu? Like, Hulu? Or anybody? Like anybody. Like 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 these places that lock down their shows, why not just allow Hulu to, to I don't know how the model works, but allow Hulu to stream your film and have Hulu you know, toss you a percentage of their profits like why not do that like uh, yeah i don't i mean i, I don't mean, think that that's... i don't know the economics of it but like i'd rather have you know i don't know it's very frustrating because nicole and i were like original cord cutters cable cord cutters and we cut yeah we cut and we cut a lot 11 we, years ago yeah so we saved a lot of money i mean not a lot but we saved enough money where it was we worth saved it. almost a thousand dollars a year yeah and then, and I would still rather do it this way than cable, because at least in cable, you're paying, we, I mean, you don't watch 95% of what you're paying for, but it's like, it, you feel, it feels cyclical, and it just feels like, you know, and every time Nicole and I want to cancel a subscription, you're like, well, what are we really going to cancel? Because we watch something, because what's happened is the streaming service's original content has gotten good enough where you don't want to cancel. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, which is where they're their best. I, I don't mind that. It's the old movies. Trying to watch old stuff and everything requires this, that, the other thing. It's like... Yeah. Why, the old shit should just be in there. Part of... Like, what are we paying for then? What is the subscription paying for? If not... Well, all movies you can stuff. watch on cable for free. Yeah. Well, it's not for free, I guess, but whatever. Okay. Right. Rant over. Okay. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Please take a minute and make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating. Subscribe and rate. Subscribe and rate and tell your friends. Especially if you're a movie lover. We are sure you know other movie lovers. Tell them about the podcast. And again, subscribe and rate. This helps us out so much as we're trying to be considered uh, like legit real film critics. And uh, the more subscriptions we get, the closer we get to that goal. You can find us on Twitter at After the Kid Goes Down Pod, Instagram at After the Kid Goes Down, and we're both on Letterbox under Nicole underscore ATKGD and Matt underscore ATKGD. We post everything in review there and a bunch of other movie lists. After the Kid Goes Down, it's brought to you by Matt and Nicole, research by Ariana Gracia, music and editing by Kate Falconer, produced by Matt Robinson and Nicole Robinson. Associate Producer, Kate Falconer.